Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church. It's such an honor to have you tuning in with us today as we kick off our brand new series, Chasing Carrots. And I am so excited. It's so relevant as we go into the holiday season. By the way, happy early Thanksgiving. As we go into the Christmas season, you and I are going to be bombarded with this perpetual lie that never stops and goes into overdrive during the season. And that is what you don't have is what you need. What you don't have is what you need. What you don't have is what you need to be happy. What you don't have is what you need to be fulfilled. And this applies to multiple arenas of life, but it's about to expand into the arena of money and stuff with Black Friday and Cyber Monday and and, and Purple Wednesday and Yellow Thursday and the before Christmas sales and the after Christmas sales. And there's all of this pressure to find fulfillment and release from anxiety in the things around us. And you and I have this, this really deep challenge, I think at a soul level, of looking for fulfillment and release from anxiety in a horizontal manner. And so today what I want to talk about is what would it look like if we reversed that? Instead of looking horizontally into relationships, into achievement, into um, the stuff we can acu- accumulate, the, the, the finances that we can accumulate, what if we changed it into a horizontal focus? And listen, this is not some super spiritual, weird mumbo jumbo about like, uh, just let Jesus be all that you need, right? It's way more practical than that. The beauty of the invitation from Jesus that we're looking at today is that we can focus our lives on what matters most, and that's God and people. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're tuning in for the first time, man, listen, today's going to be so practical and so helpful, and I think you'll find it, one, really easy to relate with, but also maybe you'll get some perspective into the motivation behind generosity when it comes to those of us that are Jesus followers. And so where are we going over the next couple of weeks. Uh, today we're going to talk about money and stuff, going to be super helpful and practical. Then we're going to talk about uh, the challenge of perfectionism and this, this pursuit of being perfect. And then we're going to look at the challenge of approval. And then on the last week, we're going to look at the challenge and pursuit of comfort. And so here's my question for you today. As you're sitting on the other side, wherever you're tuning in, whether you're on the podcast or you're on the online platform, let me ask you this question. H- how many of you feels really rich. Like right now today, you feel like you're really rich. I I think that most of us tuning in, regardless of where we fall in the category of, you know, how much we make annually, I think all of us would probably tend toward, you know what, I'm I'm not really rich, but I'd like to be, right? Anybody just, if we're just signing up for it, if it's just coming our way for free, I'm not really rich, but I would like to be. Well, there was a survey done um, a while back, and, and it was really uh, quite interesting. It was, what would people do for $5 million? I, I just want you to think about it. What, what kind of crazy stuff would you do for $5 million? As they, as they did this survey, 52% of the people that took this survey said that they would listen to country music for the rest of their life for $5 million. A little bit of honky-tonk goes a long way for some people, right? There's 40, 46% of the people that took this survey said that they would have all of their teeth removed 
for $5 million. And then I guess they'd go buy a grill or something, right? <laughs> like, like, no, this grill, not the, okay. All right, and 50% of the people that took the survey, this was really sad. They said that they would allow one random person to die on this planet for $5 million. And then 24% of the people that took the survey, they said that they would live in solitude for the next 20 years for $5 million. What would you do? to be just a little more rich. Let me ask you a question. What, what is rich? Like, what, what's that line for you? I think one of the challenges of the conversation we're having today is the line is always moving. Have you noticed that? And so let's just say uh, um, you, you make $30,000 a year. There was a survey done of different categories of where people land in the annual bracket of what they make. So if someone makes $30,000 a year, they were asked, hey, what would it take for you to feel rich? And the answer was, if I make $30,000 a year, if I could just make $74,000 a year, I would feel rich. That's the perception. And then you bump up a category. Here's the irony. is like, as you move up the category, everyone has a new line. And so if you make $50,000 a year, what would it take for you to feel rich? And the answer for most of the people that took the survey was, man, if I could just make $100,000, I would feel rich. And then you bump it up again to those that are making six figures of any category. And the question was, hey, if you're making six, six figures, what would it take for you to feel rich? And the answer was around $5 million in assets. If I could have $5 million in assets, I would feel really rich. So sucks to be the guy that has $3 million in assets, right? Like it, it's, it's this constantly moving line. You don't feel rich and you want to feel rich. And so you and I live in the continual pursuit of more. And listen, you might not have the sticker out there of rich, but there's this constant, just a little bit more could make me happy. Now, the problem with being rich is that the line keeps moving. And so you and I could ask the question, hey, Drake, what, what's it going to take for you to be satisfied? What's it going to take for you to be satisfied? And the answer, I think, for most of us on the inside is, I don't know, but I'm not there yet, right? Like, just a little bit more. And what's really cool about this conversation today is that Jesus talked a lot about money because he recognized and he understood that this conversation has its hooks deep into our heart and our soul, that there's something about this that, that allows it to guide and direct our lives sometimes in unhealthy and unhelpful ways. And so Jesus is having a conversation with a, a, a rich young ruler. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. He, he's uh, telling a story. He's about to talk to the rich young ruler. He's telling a story uh, about uh, a farmer who um, has an incredible crop year, has just incredible return from the year, has so much stuff that his barns and everything that he has, it can't hold the harvest for the year. And he says, man, what am I going to do? And so he says, you know what? I'm going to tear all my barns down. I'm going to build even bigger ones. I'm going to put all my stuff in it. And then I'm going to kick it back, take it easy, and enjoy the rest of my life living off of this. And, and Jesus uses this story to illustrate the challenge. And here's what he says in response to what the farmer does. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, because life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. So Jesus gives this warning, watch out, be on your guard, like, like it's dangerous. Do you hear it? Like, do you talk about, like, do you, do you look at dollar bills like this in your wallet? Like, ooh, watch out, right? You know, you're like, ooh, you know, it's a different kind of ooh. And Jesus said, you need to watch out for this thing. Here's what he's saying, the quality of your life, the quality of my life, is not measured by the volume of your stuff. 
And then he goes on to illustrate with the story of the farmer by saying this in response to the, the farmer's actions. God says, you fool. Some strong language. You're going to notice that Jesus typically has strong language around money when it comes to how it's managed and how it's used. He says, this very night, think about it, your life is going to be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you prepare for yourself? Where's all this stuff going to go? And then Jesus responds to those that are listening. He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, now listen, don't, don't miss this, because sometimes we get around money, and we get these weird conversations where you start to feel, like, guilty and shamed, and this is not a conversation, even from Jesus, about, like, it being a bad thing to be rich, right? The disappointment, the, the disconnect here in this story is that this guy missed being rich in the things that mattered most. Guys, don't miss it. It's not about whether or not you and I are rich. It's about at the end of this life or in the current middle of this life, if you and I are missing being rich in the things that matter most, in the things that are rich toward God. And Jesus, got, he was so incredible about helping us understand this paradigm. Because the point is to invest in the things that matter most, to invest in the things that last forever. Let me ask you a question. What's going to last forever? The answer? You and me. That's it. And so when Jesus introduces the paradigm, what are you going to spend your life on? He says, man, love God and people. Because that's all that's going to last. And, he, and, and so here, here's the good news. The good news is that you're rich. You're rich. You feel rich? Right? I think for me, sometimes there's a disconnect of this reality. But let, let me just sh throw some stats at you, okay? Three billion, roughly 3 billion people on the planet today, they live on less than $2 a day. There's a book written by David Platt called Radical, and it's a really helpful resource. It's inspiring. It's simple. Um, but if you're looking to dig in more into this conversation, I highly recommend this resource. But let me ask you a question. How, how rich are you? Because odds are you probably don't feel rich if, if you're like most of, of, of Americans today. But here's the reality. One of the ways that you and I can take a self-evaluation of how rich we are is by the things that upset us, okay? So think about it. You're going through the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A, and they forget your Chick-fil-A sauce. It's the only reason you went to Chick-fil-A, right? I mean, that is a, it, it's a moment to get upset. Or, or you're logging into your Netflix or your Disney Plus, and it's having a hard time buffering. And you're, you don't know if you're mad at your fire stick or you're mad at, at your internet provider, but you're mad at somebody, right? Think about all the first world problems that you and I have. Oh, man, this is so funny. Danielle and I had to upgrade our internet, and um, they sent us this free Xfinity -like, like device, um, basically like their own version of a fire stick, right? Like, like just for streaming. And so we hook it all up, and we're like, that's nice of them to send us something free. Like, it's really cool. Hook it all up. We start logging into like our account. So we got on Netflix and whatever, and I start looking for the Disney Plus app. I'm like, I can't find it. And I hop on Google. I'm like, where's Disney Plus at? And they're like, oh, you know, these are Disney Plus is temporary. Wow, that's hard to say. Temporarily not available on this device. And I'm like, what a piece of crap. This is a worthless machine that they just sent me for free. How dare they? I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then I was preparing for this message, and I was like, Wow, um, okay, thanks God for these good examples. Or like when you order something from Amazon Prime and it gets there in three days instead of two, how 
dare they? Or, you know, you, you get hungry, and so you hop in your car, and you drive to your favorite fast food restaurant, which, by the way, if you got into a car, that puts you into the top 15% of the wealthiest people on the planet. And then you have the privilege of driving past five other fast food restaurants to get to your favorite restaurant, and then they took too long to get your order out, and you're mad about it, right? The things that you and I get upset about, they aren't good indicators of the things, uh, of the privilege, if you will, of, of how rich we are. So I, I don't know about you, but I want to be good at being rich. Does that make sense? So say it with me. I'm rich. Say it out loud. I'm rich. Now say, say it with a little bit of gratitude. I'm rich. Is it hard for you to say? Is it weird for you to say? You see, this is one of these weird paradigms that we start to feel bad for acknowledging maybe, maybe uh, th- this reality. And, and so let me show you a, a text in Ecclesiastes 5.19. Here's what the, the author says. He says, moreover, when God gives someone wealth, and possessions, and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God, right? So you you can say, I'm rich, and it can be out of gratitude, not out of guilt and shame, right? James, the brother of Jesus, said that every good gift that we have is a gift from God. Some people, man, they get weird about it. They're like, well, I'm a self-made man, and I got all the sweat equity and everything, and everything I have, I made myself. Listen, listen, God made you. So even if you're a self-made man, I, I get it, I understand the point, but it's still from God. It's still the gifts and the talents and the ability and the life that you have as a gift from God to be able to have what you have. And so it's an incredible thing. Think about it. Think about the other areas that people compliment you and how you don't get weird about it, right? Someone can come to me and say, Drake, oh man, your family is so beautiful. Thank you. Oh man, your kids are so cute. Thank you. Oh, your wife is so smoking. Thank you. And no one says it probably like that to me. Or, oh, man, your mustache is so amazing. Thank you. No one says that either. But, you know, people say, oh, man, your house is so nice. Thank you. Right? We don't, we don't get weird necessarily about certain things that we consider gifts. But then when it comes to talking about money, we're like, we have a hard time saying thank you. You're rich. That's the good news. I'm rich. But here's the bad news. And the bad news is you're rich. And I'm rich. And this puts us at such a huge spiritual disadvantage. In that same line of conversation, I talked about him earlier, right after the farmer conversation, Jesus is having a conversation with a rich young ruler. And and this guy is really struggling. He's invited to follow Jesus, but he doesn't want to abandon his wealth, his stuff. And so then in the process, Jesus responds, and he's talking to both his uh, followers and to the young man. And he says, how hard it is. And it's so hard. For the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, right? This is extreme hyperbole. Than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus said, man, it's so hard. Why? Why is it hard for, for the rich? Because there's this huge gap of, of perception that we don't have needs. We, we don't need God. Because we have what we need, and what we don't have, we're going to get. And so we're constantly, horizontally looking to fill our needs. And honestly, guys, one of the disadvantages is as, as rich people, we're, we're distracted. Like, we're just materially 
distracted. We have rich people opportunities that other people around the world don't have. Think about it. If you've ever had the privilege of going uh, across the world to like a developing nation or a third world country and, and you've been in villages where they have like either you know, no le- electricity or minimal running water, you, you'll notice something that first there'll, there'll be a shock of how privileged you truly are, just, just of how much you have and how, how the access that you have. And then there's going to be a perception because you're going to realize that they have a lot of what you, or they don't have a lot of what you have, but what they do have, you're lacking. They don't have the anxiety and the stress and the burden of stuff, but somehow they, they have an elevation of the value in relationships and the way that they spend their time. And for some, the way that they have an intimacy with God like you've never experienced. Right? There's a simplicity in community that, that maybe your soul is longing for and you realize that, man, there's some things getting in the way. And I want you to reflect on, on this challenge, that the constant cultural message and the, the allure is this, what you don't have is what you need. What is that for you? Guys, I've been bombarded with it. It's, it's unreal to me. The number of things that I've been all of a sudden super interested in, right? People start asking, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And all of a sudden, I'm not really anything. I got like a pair of socks on my Amazon wish list. I'm easy, man. I'm a 31-year-old man. I don't, have, I don't need anything. All of a sudden, oh, I need that. And I need that. Oh, that's that shiny. And all of a sudden, my list grows and grows and grows. And I'm like, I didn't need that stuff a month ago. And still, I started looking for it and paying attention to it. Right? And there's this constant pressure. What you don't have is what you need. You need that TV. You need that laptop. You need that new flooring. You need that new car. You need those speakers. You need that PS5. You need those, those shoes. You need that outfit. You need that purse. You need that vacation. Guys, I'm in the middle of it, okay? Recently, I bought uh, an 03 Forerunner, just an older Forerunner to kind of get our family up in the mountains and super nice ride, awesome deal, love it. It's, it's just great. It was kind of stock and, and really, really nice. And I'm 31 years old and I've never like owned a car with like big mud tires and big wheels on it. And so I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that. So I did some searching and, and found a good deal on some wheels and tires, okay? So I'm like, cool, we're just gonna do this one thing to the Forerunner and then we're done. It's gonna be awesome. I put the big wheels and tires on it and guess what? They're just a just a little too big to where they rub on the front end. I'm like, oh, well, you know what? I could probably look around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift the front end. I'm going to put a lift kit on it, just a little one, just a little, little lift kit to raise the front end so the tires don't rub so that we can keep driving. And then, then I'm done. I'm done after that. I'm done after. And so I put the lift kit in myself because I'm a self-made man, and, and I do it, and it's harder than I've done any, anything ever. It's so hard. And in the process, I tear the boots on my front axles. And so now I got new wheels and a lift kit, and I need a new set of axles, and I'm like way more money in than I ever planned on being. And I'm like, I should have just kept it stock. <laughs> Because what you don't have is what you need. What you don't have is what you need, and it doesn't stop. And you know what's weird about this conversation is that we know this reality. We know that that, that promise or that, that lie doesn't fulfill, but for some reason we don't live like it. Have you noticed that? Right? We really do believe that more will make us happy. Somewhere on the inside, we're looking for it. But here's the challenge, and you know this. More money and more stuff, it's not going to protect our kids from heading down a, a path that, that is harmful to them as they grow. More money and more stuff is not going to heal someone that we love from cancer. More money and stuff is not going to make depression go away. More money and stuff is not going to heal your marriage. More money and stuff is not going to fill those gaps. And the reality is we, we don't need more of what is temporary. Guys, you know this. Think about it. We don't need more of what is temporary. We, we need more of what is eternal. 
And again, don't, don't get all weird and super spiritual and like ethereal out there. No, Jesus said, listen, there's only two things that last forever. Invest in those things. Love God and people. Because that's all that you have to show for it on the other side. And it's absolutely worth it. Now, in 1 Timothy, there's a conversation I want to introduce you to as we close out our time. And, and, and it's this, that uh, t- uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, who's a younger pastor, and he's investing in him and giving some instructions. And he says this in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world. Pause. Who's he talking to? Those who are rich. That's me. That's you, right? You with me? Everybody say it. I'm rich. Say, that's me. That's me. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, right? But to put their hope in God, their trust in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, right? Listen, what is he saying? He's he saying, don't, don't, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty for, for being rich. That's not the point. Don't feel guilty about it. God is a good dad. He's good, and he blesses those, and, uh, those around. It's amazing. Guys, think about it. When you're faithful with a little, God promises to give more. Some of you, the reason that you're rich is just because you've been responsible, You've been faithful with what you have, and that's awesome. You shouldn't feel guilty for being rich. Don't feel guilty, but listen, guys, don't miss this. Do feel responsible. Don't feel guilty. Do feel responsible. You and I have every right to enjoy what we have, but it's not all for us. We're managers of this life for the good of others and the glory of God. And he goes on, check this out, in verse 18. Command them, those who are rich, to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Man, I want to be rich in the right stuff, don't you? In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life, listen, the life that is truly life. We're not going to find it horizontally. It's an invitation to find it vertically. Andy Stanley is a pastor of a large church in Atlanta, and every every year they do this huge campaign called Be Rich. And it's it's founded off of this passage here. And every year he has uh, his church kind of say this statement out loud, and I wanted to introduce it to you. Okay, check this out. God has blessed me with more than I need. I want you guys to say this with me as we say it one line at a time, okay? Ready? God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. Say it. I'm rich. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. And check this out. Because I have more. Everybody say it with me. Because I have more. I will give more and do more. Guys, listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I need you to understand something. The generosity that flows out of the life of a Jesus follower is not because we're trying to earn God's favor, but because we've experienced God's favor, that Jesus gave his life, the most radical demonstration of love that the world has ever known. And so then as followers of Jesus, we've experienced and received that love, and we want to share it with the world around us. And so let me invite you into just some thoughts and conversations. 
Let's do something that matters with our lives. Let's make a difference in this world like only rich people can make. Does that make sense to you? So think about it. What, what could you do in your, in your circles of influence where you live, work, and play? Right? Maybe you could pay someone's rent this, week, or this month uh, kind of anonymously. Or, or maybe you, know, you can grab some boxes this month and help someone move. Or you know, maybe you can serve your time at a local food bank or, or the local shelter that we partner with. Or you know, maybe you can uh, make a phone call and invest in someone who needs some encouragement. Right? I don't know what it is for you to be rich in good deeds and in generosity, but I want you to think about it for a second. I mean, for some of you, your followers of Jesus, City Church is your home. And maybe this is the moment where you're going to take the faith step to invest the first 10% of your income in the kingdom of God through the local church. You're like, what? What? Listen, Danielle and I have been practicing giving for, for, for a long time. And the paradigm came to us like this. I trust Jesus with my life. When I became a follower of Jesus, I put Jesus first in my life. And that means he's first in every area of my life, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my career, in my finances. It doesn't matter. And how I use my time. And so I'm going to choose to put Jesus first in my finances. I'm going to invest 10% of my income in and through what God is doing in the world around us through the local church. And we've never once regretted it. And for some of you, maybe it's time for you to take that first step as a follower of Jesus and a part of this family. But, but I need you to think about something. If, if I'm not willing to trust God first in my finances, why, why would I trust him anywhere else? Right? It works both ways. I, I, I called up uh, one of our team members. Her name is Maddie. And I asked her, I said, Maddie, uh, she just started giving, and, and she's a college student who just got a job, and so she's just now got some income working. And I said, hey, tell me about the motivation. Tell me about the motivation to give to City Church. And, and she said, yeah, you know, first of all, I, I decided... To, to give because God tells me to. And I'm like, well, that's a pretty good reason. But she said, you know, man, there's numerous examples of people in the Bible who gave, who gave just a little, and then God blessed them with a lot. And, and I believe that God can do that in and through me, and, and I want to experience it. And I was like, oh, man, that's, that's so helpful. Thank you, Maddie, for sharing that. And, and I believe it. Guys, listen, I, I genuinely believe that God can do more with my 90% than, than I can do with 100 Right? But then it didn't stop there. I asked uh, another team member. Her name is Abby. She gave her life to Jesus earlier this year. She was baptized. She started uh, getting involved and, and just a super awesome lady. And I asked her, I said, hey, you, you started giving. Tell me about that. As a brand new follower of Jesus, tell me how all those pieces came together. And she said, man, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, to take that step and, and follow God and, and what he told me to do. But also, man, it, you guys made it easy at City Church because you actually put into practice the mission of God to love those around you. And so I know that I'm not just giving to a church, but rather through a church. She said that, man, the example of City Church and the generosity that we have in the world around us is, is it allowed me, I've been better able to do that in every sphere of influence that I have. I was like, man, thanks, Abby, for sharing that. That's so encouraging and so very helpful. So I don't know what your step is and how you can express generosity and what you do and what you say with your time, energy, and resources, but guys, let's make a difference together like only rich people can. You with me? And some of you, by the way, thank you. Tomorrow, we're going to be handing out 58 bags to food for families in need for Thanksgiving this week. And it's because of your radical generosity. So, so thank you for taking that step with us. Listen, some of you, you've been in the elusive pursuit of more. <laughs> Just like me at times. 
But some of you, you're spiritually disconnected and you're kind of checking things out and you're not really sure where you land in the faith conversation and a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're realizing that the line is always moving and, and, and you've been chasing this horizontal line of fulfillment and relationships or promotions or stuff or status or whatever it is and it just doesn't seem to fill. And friends, I discovered this at 15 years old and it's just as true today as it was then that you and I were created by God and for God. That there's this brokenness inside of us that we are constantly trying to fill, this void that we have. And we are created to find that void filled by knowing God and experiencing the fullness of life, that which is truly life, because of what Jesus did for you and me. Right? That the, the things of this earth, there's not a relationship, there's not a thing on this planet that's going to fulfill us the way we want it to. But Jesus, he gave his life and rose again to meet our needs and fill that void. So maybe today you're ready for the first time to say, Drake, I, I need Jesus. I want his joy. I want his forgiveness. I want his presence. I want that life which is truly life. I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, you can text in the word follow to the number on the screen. And we would love to help you take some next steps. And for those of you that are engaging and tuning in and looking for some practical next steps, let me give them to you as we close out our time. Today, right now, wherever you are, make a list. Make a list of the things or areas that you want to be truly rich in. What's really going to matter? And then what would it look like? Like, man, just over the next seven days, what would it look like to focus less on what we don't have, on what I don't have, on what you don't have, and focus more on what God has actually given us? And lastly, what faith step is God calling you to take this week? Can I encourage you? Whatever God is calling you to right now, it's going to be for your good. And he already proved that by showing his love for you through the sacrifice of Jesus. So thanks so much for tuning in. And don't miss next week of Chasing Carrots. See you guys.